Uh, today, uh, I get to look at God's word with you, which is one of my very favorite things to do. And this morning, I keep thinking about something one of my preaching professors said in seminary. His name's Martin Sanders. And he said to us, as a preacher, your job is to hold out the word of God to people so that they can look into it for themselves like a mirror and see God work in their lives. And so that's my prayer and my objective this morning. Today we're concluding our Sunday morning series called Align, Joining Jesus in All of Life. And it's loosely uh, correlating with what all five of our small groups are studying this semester. In our small groups, we're using some material called Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt and Ben Connolly. It's about speaking Jesus into all of life. And here's the overarching concept of this whole series. The overarching concept is that the good news of Jesus is meant to transform every part of our life. And we are meant to be speaking that good news of Jesus to ourselves, to each other as believers, and to the not yet believing world. The title for today's specific message is Speaking Jesus as the Answer. And it's a phrase that comes from 1 Peter 3, verses 15 to 16. There are some notes for the message in the seat back pocket in front of you. If you don't have a Bible with you, we are on the YouVersion app. Uh, You're also welcome to take a Bible from the Welcome Center as our gift to you. The Sunday school teacher of a very young class one morning said to her class, Children, what is little and gray and eats nuts and has a bushy tail? And silence fell over the class, and finally one brave little one said, I know the answer is probably Jesus, but it really sounds like a squirrel. But this morning, the title of our message is Jesus is the Answer, Speaking Jesus as the Answer. Uh, Before we do that, there are some things that I want you to know about Peter, who is the author of this epistle or letter. And there are some things uh, that I want you to know about the letter as a whole. Here are some fun facts about Peter that you can share at your next party. Fun facts about Peter. Uh, Peter probably met Jesus when he was in his 30s and Jesus was in his 30s. So they were contemporaries. They were about the same age. Jesus was one of the 12 disciples who were closest to Jesus. He was considered the leader of the 12 in a number of ways. Peter was often um, overconfident of himself. Uh, For example, he said to Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And then he got scared and ran away. Peter rejected the idea of Jesus suffering. When Jesus let his disciples know what was going to happen, he resisted that. He said to Jesus, this shall never happen to you. And Peter also avoided his own suffering. Remember when the heat was on and Jesus was arrested, Peter denied Jesus three times, ran away so he wouldn't get caught in the fray. Now these last two pieces are especially relevant because by the time Peter writes the letter that we call 1 Peter, 
His perspective on Jesus' suffering, his own suffering, and the suffering of Christ followers in general has done a complete 180. He's writing this about 30 years after Jesus' crucifixion. And at this point, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He has ascended into heaven. He sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to the believers in Jerusalem. Persecution has broken out in Jerusalem that has scattered the Christians into the known world. He's writing this when Nero is emperor of Rome. Uh, If you saw the movie that came out early this year called Paul, Apostle of Christ, it's a very vivid depiction of what life was like for Christians under the rule and reign of Nero. It was especially bad, uh, persecution, including everything up to death, in the city of Rome, but it was happening really all over the Roman Empire. And Peter is writing this letter to Christians who have been scattered throughout uh, Asia Minor, what we now think of as Turkey. Let's look at some of the themes of this letter of 1 Peter. The first one is be transformed. Be transformed. What did Peter have to say about saying yes to Jesus, believing in him, becoming his follower? Here's just a couple things I plucked from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1.23, he said, For you have been born again. 1 Peter 2.9, he said, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In other words, saying yes to Jesus means a new life A new identity. This is major. This changes everything. This affects every part of your life. People who say yes to Jesus in an environment where Christians are persecuted are serious about saying yes to Jesus. They are all in. But that being all in isn't supposed to be like the exception that only happens in these really extreme circumstances. This is supposed to be the norm, the normal impact of saying yes to Jesus. Thoroughly converted, thoroughly transformed. So our first theme is be transformed. Second, live holy. There are five times in this rather short letter that the word therefore is used. And very often in scripture where you see a word translated therefore, the pattern is something like this. This is true, therefore live like this. So in this case, you have a new life, a new identity. Therefore, live holy, live like this. Here are a few of the statements from 1 Peter about how we are to live. 1 Peter 1.15, be holy in all you do. 1 Peter 1.22, love one another deeply from the heart. 1 Peter 2.1, therefore, 
Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. 1 Peter 2.13 Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. 1 Peter 2.17 Show proper respect to everyone. 1 Peter 3.9 Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. When our missions trip team returned from Paris and a couple of us uh, mentioned our trip returned from Paris and a couple of us uh, mentioned uh, meeting this Christian named Mally and how Mally talked about the importance of just being a good dude and that really impressed a number of us. When we shared that here, I got a little bit of pushback about that. So I want to be really clear this morning and say, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying that... uh, It's all about being a good dude and we're never to speak clearly about the gospel of Jesus. In fact, speaking the gospel of Jesus is exactly what we're going to unpack this morning. But understand that in this letter of 1 Peter, there are many more commands about how to live than there are about what to speak or how to speak. And that's partly because if we're not living a life that is different from the world, people are much less likely to care what we have to say. No one will ask, and therefore the idea of giving an answer will be moot. Now, I'm also not saying that we need to fulfill all these commands about living well perfectly before we speak. This is not about performing or achieving uh, this perfect standard before we open our mouths. But the scriptures are clear that the way we live matters to our witness. The way we live matters to our credibility. You and I are meant to be transformed and empowered. Therefore, we live holy. With that said, there's definitely a time to speak. And that's our next theme. Speak Jesus. So when I read the book of 1 Peter, that epistle, that letter, when I read it from front to back a few times in the translation I was using, I found three things about what to speak or how to speak. And here they are. The first one's in 1 Peter 2.9. We mentioned it already. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That you may declare. What if your salvation isn't just for your sake? What if it's not completely about you or for you? What if it's also for God's sake? You are saved that you may declare his praises. What if declaring his praises isn't an optional add-on? It's actually one of the reasons you were saved. That you may declare. That's the first mention in 1 Peter about speaking. Here's the next one. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. 
In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We're going to unpack that more in a minute. But here's the third and final reference in 1 Peter about speaking. 1 Peter 4.11. If you speak, you should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. There are several things about those verses in chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, that encourage me. And I hope they're going to encourage you too. What Peter says is, be prepared to give an answer. He does not say, be prepared to have all the answers. Some people are afraid to bring up the gospel with others because they're afraid that others are going to ask questions that they can't answer. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but there are people in this congregation who have told me this is one of their struggles. They're afraid to bring up Jesus or the gospel because somebody's going to ask them questions they can't answer. We don't have to have all the answers. We just need to have an answer, and we're going to talk about that really specifically. I hope you do speak Jesus and share the gospel. And I hope that people do ask questions that you can't answer. Because if they ask questions that you can't answer, it might mean that they're engaged enough to be asking God-sized questions. And that's a really good thing. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to have an answer. And for the rest, you point them back to the scriptures and you point them back to other Bible-based resources. I hope that encourages you. You don't have to have all the answers. I love this too. Peter says, give a reason for the hope that you have. Now remember, he's talking to Christians scattered throughout Asia Minor who are experiencing persecution. So he's saying, be prepared to give a reasons for the hope that you have in the midst of your suffering. He does not say, give a reason for why you have it all together. He does not say, be prepared to give a reason for all your professional and personal success. He does not say, be able to give a reason for how you got every member of your family in matching outfits and smiling for the Christmas card photo. How do you do it? No. Rather, give a reason why. In the midst of pushback and insults and rejection and hardship, and persecution for being a Jesus follower. You do not despair. You do not give in. You do not abandon Jesus or his people. On the contrary, you remain confidently hopeful. Now that is compelling. Be prepared to talk about that. Be prepared to give an answer for your hope. And do it, he says, with gentleness and respect. I would say not with judgment or superiority. Do it with gentleness and respect. And what encourages me here is not so much the words as it is the testimony of Peter's life itself. Peter was not naturally a people person. 
when you look through the Gospels, you can see he was very rough around the edges. He had a tendency to blurt. He was pretty audacious. Uh, he was a loose cannon. He was not naturally gentle and respectful. But God got a hold of him and transformed him and empowered him so that here he is years later able to say with credibility, let's you and I both, when we speak, do it with gentleness and do it with respect. That's encouraging to me. And in chapter four, he says, speak as one who speaks the very words of God. In other words, not as one who matches the tone or the verbiage of the opposition. So when Peter was asked the question, when he was put on the spot, what was the answer that he gave specifically? (laughs) Let's look at that. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, where we are in the story now, is Jesus is risen from the dead. The disciples are waiting in Jerusalem as they've been instructed. They're waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in an amazing way. And one of the effects is that those disciples are given a supernatural ability to speak in other languages. And the watching city, the people outside of where they are, are in awe that these men from Galilee are speaking in the native languages of all those who are gathered in Jerusalem for a festival. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, this is the people in the city, they asked one another, what does this mean? There's the question. There's the question we're listening for. What does this mean? So in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, Peter responds. He says, This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. This is the first part of the answer. Jesus died. Jesus died. Peter goes on, Acts 2.24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And that's the second part of the answer. Jesus rose. Then in Acts chapter 2, verse 33, Peter goes on, Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. In other words, Jesus is making a difference in this life right now. Or, Jesus is making a difference in my life today. This is the answer, the three-part answer that Peter gives on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. And then what happened? Verses 37 to 38 say, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the answer that we are to be prepared to give. 
This is the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus is making a difference in my life today. Those are the three statements to unpack in a conversation. Would you repeat after me? We're going to speak some Jesus. Repeat after me. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus is making a difference in my life today. Thank you. I hope you know some things about how to unpack those three parts. Why did Jesus die? What does that mean? Why Jesus rose? What the implications of that are? And I hope you could answer this question or complete this sentence. Jesus is making a difference in my life today by how has Jesus made a difference in your life? How are you transformed? How are you being transformed? How is he meeting you? How is he showing up? What is he saying? What questions are you asking him right now? Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus is making a difference in my life today. In our small group material, Gospel Fluency, Jeff Vanderstelt lists common reasons why we hesitate to share the gospel. So what I'm about to say is not a quote from scripture. uh, And these are not my words. These are his words. They may resonate with you or not. You may agree with them or not. Here they are. Reasons we hesitate. He says... First, we are in a spiritual battle. So the enemy of our souls tries everything possible to keep us from speaking about Jesus. Second, many of us love what people think of us more than we love people. So in our fear of rejection, we keep our mouths shut. Third, most Christians have never tried to share their gospel hope. Therefore, have never experienced the Spirit of God giving them words and boldness. Fourth, many Christians just don't know the gospel very well, or if they do, don't practice sharing it with other believers very often. But the fifth reason for our silence is possibly the most concerning. I have found that most Christians don't really believe that their neighbors, friends, and family members will spend eternity apart from God if they don't have faith in Jesus. Judgment is coming. Hell is real. And apart from faith in Jesus Christ, people will miss out on enjoying life with God forever. What outweighs all of these reasons to not share the gospel and any other reasons you might have is the clear command of scripture over and over again to speak. And in these verses, that's articulated, give an answer. Give an answer. So these are our themes so far. Be transformed. Live holy. Speak Jesus. And next, rejoice in the response. During Jesus' life on earth, some people reacted positively to him they embraced him others rejected him and they condoned or even participated in his crucifixion this is the one we follow this is the one we follow so we should expect the same results 
the same responses. Some people will react very positively when we live and speak Jesus, and they will decide to follow Jesus as well and say yes to him, and that's a blast when that happens. That is a blast. Others will not. But let's talk more about the blast. (laughs) Here's what Peter says. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's a blast to see people respond to the message and begin to declare themselves the praise of God. Others will reject us or at least reject the message. And some will even persecute. The scripture says that response is also a joy. The positive response is a joy for obvious reasons. (laughs) But the scripture says the negative response is also a joy. Here's what Peter said about that. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 to 16. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, Inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. So we rejoice either way. If people respond positively to the message of Jesus, we rejoice. (laughs) If people respond negatively, we rejoice that in some miraculous way, we're participating with Christ in his suffering. And if people respond neutrally, because some of them, are not at either extreme, right? You got some people like that in your life? (laughs) For people who just say, no thanks, it's a little more neutral or apathetic. We rejoice in that response too. Because anybody who doesn't respond positively, we're praying that their response isn't done yet. We're praying that this won't be the end of their story with Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul at first passed reacted very negatively. That's an understatement. He reacted very negatively. But his story didn't end there. His life didn't end there. And I wonder who was praying for him, who was living holy before him, who was prepared to speak Jesus to him, had Jesus not shown up and confronted him directly on the road to Damascus. The final theme that I think intersects with all the rest is this theme of being alert. Three times in this short book, this idea is repeated. The first time it appears is in 1 Peter 1.13. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. 1 Peter 4, 7, 
The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And finally, 1 Peter 5, verses 8 to 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I had someone ask me after the first service if these people were known to drink a lot because this sober thing keeps coming up. They need all this admonition to be sober. I said, well, they drank some. Um, But (laughs) the point here is to be clear thinking and intentional. If we are to be transformed, if we are to live holy, if we're to speak Jesus, if we're to rejoice in the responses that we get, apathy will not do. Spiritual sleepiness will not do. Passivity will not do. Autopilot and cruise control will not enable us to live this out. If we're going to have the hope that Peter's referring to here, we're going to need to be alert and sober-minded, thinking clearly and intentionally. The end is near, so we need to take advantage of the opportunities God gives us. We won't have forever. That's chapter 4, verse 7. To that end, We need to remember that God's opposed, we're opposed by the devil. To recognize and resist his schemes, we will need to be alert and clear thinking. Be alert, be alert. Jeff Vanderstelt observes that many of us speak gospel-ish, but not the actual gospel. What does he mean by gospel-ish? He means gospel snippets or gospel catchphrases, but not the actual full gospel. I'm convinced that if we don't speak the actual gospel, it's not actually good news, which is what that word means. And what is the gospel? What is that answer that we're to be prepared to give? It is Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus is making a difference in my life today. I always get a little nervous when Pastor Mark assigns me the topic because I know when I have to preach on something, God is going to convict me. (laughs) And so I'm challenged by this message to speak the actual gospel more. But I'm also excited about some of the opportunities and some of the questions that I'm hearing from the not yet believers in my life. And I was tempted to give you some examples this morning, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Because I don't want my friends to think if they have a conversation with me, uh, that that's going to become a public example (laughs) that I use when I teach. But let me encourage you, this is happening It's happening. And to the extent that you are already on the journey of living all this out, I cheer you on. (laughs) And I applaud you. And I say, go for it. And to the extent that this is not yet part of your life with Jesus, or you know it needs to be more of your life with Jesus, 
I encourage you as well. This is part of what you're made for. This is part of what you are saved for, to declare the praises of the God who saved you. Jesus really is the answer to this one. (laughs) Jesus really is the answer. He died. He rose. I trust he's making a difference in your life today in ways that you're paying attention to because you're alert and sober. (laughs) Let's pray together. Jesus, we honor you today. We honor your life, your perfect, sinless life. We honor your death today, Jesus. Your willing, extravagant sacrifice to take our sin upon yourself and go to the cross with it and pay the price for it. We honor your resurrection today. You have triumphed over sin and death and hell and everything that comes with us. You are the victor. We honor your ascension today and we recognize you as one who has risen and sat at the right hand of God and all authority in heaven and on earth is yours, Jesus. God, would you manifest your presence among us that we would be thoroughly transformed in every part of our lives, all in and empowered to live holy to therefore live differently because of what you have done and are doing in us. And would you keep us alert to the opportunities, alert to the questions that people are asking directly or indirectly. And would you give us, God, that leading to speak? Make us winsome. Make us gentle and respectful, but also make us bold and courageous and exuberant. Uh, We don't need to be timid about you. Make us exuberant about speaking about who you are and what you have done and are doing in us. And God, we do pray for a great response. For the sake of your glory, we pray that many people would say yes to you, would come to that intersection of understanding their own deep need and your abundant provision and would say yes to you and step across that line of faith and into your family. We would love to rejoice in that kind of response. But even when that's not the response... When we experience feedback that is more like apathy or passivity or no thanks, or even feedback that's more negatively strong, may we rejoice in sharing in your sufferings, in walking closely in your footsteps, because that's exactly how people responded to you. We honor you today and we thank you for this great mystery that you've caught us up in what you're doing in this world. It's a profound privilege and honor. It's what we're made for and saved for. Help us remember that. We bless your name. And may all the days of our life, we not only sing and dance like we're about to say, but may we also speak and declare all the days of our life about what you've done. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.